Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishin. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hello, hello everyone. My name is Joel, a playwright and performer. And I'm Kishan, a science educator. And thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Tea for Two. Welcome back, everyone. So this week, we're going to try something a little different. We are shaking up the format a little bit. Instead of giving you our usual buffet of digressions and topics, we're going to be focusing quite in-depth on one particular subject that we really like to explore. And we're going to call this a deep chat. Yeah. And in this deep chat, we're going to focus on the topic of living with our parents or what it means to live with our parents in our 30s. Because this is this is something that's quite deep. Yeah, this is something that's quite close to our hearts and Joel and I have talked a lot about this one-on-one and we thought that this is something that will resonate with quite a many quite many of you out there. I feel like every time we have this conversation it gets deeper and deeper because as we get older and older I think it becomes yeah, more yeah, perspective. more perspective but honestly it also gets harder. Um yeah, but like, uh, I hope you stay with us this episode and um, find something in it for yourself. Let's face it, right? According to like the unspoken laws of Singapore society, by this age, we should be married off like with wives uh, and living outside of the house already, right? So we shouldn't even be in our parents' hair anymore. Um, correct, correct. They, they should be, they should be, for example, they, they should be making fun of our partners, you know, of my, yeah, of my or partner's <laughs> cooking or whatever. Yeah, or like developing a kind of passive-aggressive relationship with like our partners, but like... I mean, this applies, this applies like more specifically to you than me like, because like I actually have moved out and I've lived away for the past two, two plus three years that's now true, but you, you're, you're, still, you're still deep in it. Yeah, I'm deep in it. <laughs> <laughs> deep in it is correct. But, <laughs> so for me, I'm only speaking like from the experience of having come back to wait out this pandemic and spending the past two, three months here in my parents' flat and then like the prospect of space staying here potentially till August even so like you know it's for me it's a return to a space and having to relearn how to navigate this space again whereas for you it's been like a constant kind of like yeah that's true I've been I've been living in 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 my parents place since I was I was a young little baby so this has been the only place I remember I've been here for like 30 32 years of my 33 years of existence (laughs) yeah and I mean, like I've moved. I'm. I've only lived away for a couple of years. So like this place, this house is really where I've spent a lot. You know, most of my life as well. Um, and I think it comes with a lot of like emotional baggage, right? Living, living, li- growing up here, and then like being here as adults in a way. And I think like for me at least, it's there is a lot of weird tension in the house that I find very hard to talk about and navigate it's like it's a lot of it feels very irrational and petty oh absolutely so I exactly what you said is irrational and it is ridiculous I for example really hate it when my mother does my laundry so sometimes mm. she would come into my room she would just take my laundry basket when I'm at work and she and when I come back my clothes have been washed they're hanging mm. to dry and I would literally I, I have I have literally screamed at her for doing this because for me this is something that is my own thing to do 
No, as, as an mm. adult man, I should be able to do my laundry, and I find her helping me out with this, no matter how well intended, just mm. infuriates me so much. And I understand on on many levels it is irrational because hey, someone just did your laundry for you, you should be glad. <laughs> but no, I absolutely hate it, hate it when they do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. For me, it's this weird thing where like I can't like be in a communal space with anyone. <laughs> Does it make sense? Like I'll be reading like a book or doing something on the sofa, and which is like this uh, in the living room, right? And then my dad yeah. will come in, and I will feel, or anyone will come in, and I'll just feel my body tense up because I know my space has been invaded and interrupted. Mm. And I just need And so like I, I In those moments I just have to like Catch myself And then go back to my room And just like spend My, my, my Most of my time In my isolated space um, Or like the kitchen Which is another communal space In the house Where there's a lot of tension Right Because like I like to cook a lot Oh yeah Yeah And my, my yeah, And my mum is a huge Like clean freak Right So those two things often are at odds and like she'll always complain that like I'm making a mess of the kitchen when I really am not right and like she and, like, she has a very fine-tuned eye for things that are out of place and that really irritates me um, and and like I, I just want to organize the kitchen my way because like I am the one who does the most cooking in the house right but then like I it's, right and she polices like, your behavior yeah. anyway yeah and I so it's just very irritating and like it leads to a lot of tension and before moving out um you know, like I remember most of the tension in the household was concentrated in that space, right? Where we ate and where we cook and where we do our laundry even. And, and it's right. just like, there's a lot of arguments that came out of that space. It was very contested. And I know, I think like having constant arguments about the kitchen, right? Believe it or not, was one of the things that really catapulted me into leaving the country. <laughs> oh no, I, I believe it. I, yeah. know how, I know how sacred... The kitchen can be a, a, How secret a space The kitchen is for you Or can be for you So I totally yeah. believe this Yeah Yeah so For me uh, This idea of contesting space Only started to come to my mind When I started to leave home When I started to leave outside When I started to live outside Home So I first started to Live outside of my house In university I spent all four years Part of it with you, Joel, like in university, yeah. in, in, in the university housing. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, in that, pri- in that prison they call student accommodation, <laughs> yeah, right? In that <laughs> prison they call student accommodation, exactly. So it, it, I, I, it, I enjoyed it and it was, it was truly the first time where I had a space to myself where I could make it my own in any way that I want and I didn't have to answer to anyone. So mm. coming back from that then made me have a different relationship to my childhood home or my parents' house. You know, mm. because then I started to see this space in a different light. Specifically that it is really not my space. That's something I've definitely felt since moving out as well. And like I I kind of really understand what it means to make a space your own now, right? It's it's I derive a lot of pleasure from homemaking. Uh and then I realized that actually I have become my mother in a way. So like I, I bitch about yeah, I bitch about my mother <laughs> like nagging me in the kitchen and everything and being such a neat freak. And now that I've lived away for a few years, I realize I am the exact same with the people who live with me. Like I'm sure to a fault. Right? Like I I for me it's about organizing the chaos of life in a way that 
I can understand and that gives me comfort and peace. And it's it's irrational as well. It's not it's not about a, a certain kind of like, oh, I'm just neat for the sake of it. No, I think it's about mental health at some level. It's about coping, right? And once I saw that, it opened... Once I lived away and I started to see that, it opened my eyes to what my parents' home means to them, specifically my mum, right? That this is not just like a space, right? It's this thing that they've worked at and they've put a lot of energy and money and, and, and love into. And like, it's more their space than it is mine even though I've grown up here right like absolutely it's the space they made for themselves as adults which is so important in a way what we want for ourselves now right is this house is what this house is to them what we want for ourselves yeah correct and for me that that manifests in my room now with the room that I'm Mm. doing this podcast you know from Mm. like I try to create a space of my own that I on some level know is within a space that is not my own. So that yeah, is Yeah, like a little like a yeah, Russian doll. Correct. And this this and it's, this Russian doll is fraught with a lot of emotional nonsense because it is just it's it's very tiring to be in a space that is carved out from space that is not yours. You know? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it feels like it's a lie on some level. And I think the reason why this is so difficult is because like Finding your own space is so much about self-actualization. It's about becoming who you are, right? It's it's so like I when I think back about why the kitchen is so important to me, right? It's because it it represents not just a vision of like my what kind of food I like to eat, but kind of like what kind of life I want for myself. What how how much I see cooking as part of my life and how I would like to order my physical surroundings to reflect that and you know cooking as a way to experiment with food to have friends over to come and eat to host you know which are all things that I can't do in a flat that's not my own I used to have yeah, these elaborate exactly. I used to have these elaborate dinner parties in my par- in my mom's in my parents flat right where I invite friends over and like I knew intuitively that there was something kind of wrong about that because my mom was very flustered by how messy the house got and like it just didn't feel right and, and but then I knew also like those early experiments at self-actualization I knew that was the kind of life I want like, I just want to have friends over to eat and talk and do kind of stuff but you can't do that in someone else's house and um, I think that's and I think when you reach a certain age right that 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 self-actualize that need for self-actualization creates a lot of pressure against the space you're living in in a way because you are growing too big for the space that you you, you grew up in and you need you need to leave it right and I think this is where all the, the flashpoints happen. Yeah, all that tensions come about. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I sometimes wonder if like the fact that so many Singaporeans don't move out until, you know, quite late, right, when they get married is, you know, the reason why like we're all so stressed. <laughs> Very possibly. I mean we are oh. all we are we are all I mean I don't I can only speak for myself lah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, like, now that I think about the kitchen space, right, I know why the kitchen is so fraught now. It's because when I was younger, yeah. and I was first learning how to cook, right, first learning how to use the kitchen, yeah. and experimenting, like, uh, the very first time I think I tried to make something in the kitchen, I think my older brother walked in, saw me, and st- started laughing. And, like, he used to be a big bully when we, when I was younger. So, like, that was part of his, like, bullying tactics, right, to belittle me. I see. And then, and then like, my mum came in and just made such a big fuss about how messy I made the place. And, I and then, so, like, so it's I a think, bit of trauma from that lah. Yeah, a- every single time growing up that I used the kitchen, it would be accompanied with this like, you know, this nagging and this like nagging, this nagging and nagging. And then like I would, 
it's it's like it's reached a point where I reflexively when I'm in any kitchen, even the one back in London, which is my my own flat, right? I feel very tense whenever somebody walks in on me cooking, as if I'm doing something wrong. Or oh yeah, I have lived through this. Yeah. I know. I, every time I'm in the kitchen when you're cooking back in London, I I can feel you tense up, and then I will move to. I will move to the living room. <laughs> yeah, whenever people say like, "Can I help?" I'll be like, "No, go away." Correct, <laughs> correct. Yeah, like I will only but, wash the dishes at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the but the point I'm trying to make is in relation to the space that we live in, right? Like I think obviously these houses are filled with all these painful memories. You know, beautiful memories, but painful ones as well. And you know, this this can weigh on us mentally. But then also, these spaces contain older versions of ourselves, right? They're like little ghosts that are floating around the house, and they're earlier versions of ourselves that we may not like, and that we feel we've discarded, but that are still present in the form of memory. I totally agree with you. In fact, I think these ghosts are so present that our parents use them as a way to navigate our existence as as full grown adults in the house. Like for example. My parents, mm. um, I think they latch on, they box me in a 20-year-old self uh, because at, even now, like, we still go out, mm. we, still, we still go to clubs, we, we drink, we hang out with friends. So my parents only know how to understand this version of me as a 20-year-old self. So they, they box me in this 20-year-old right. self and the things they say to me, are, it, it, the things they say to me are like what they would say to me when I was 20 years old Like for example My mom will still say to me Hey don't drink so much ah. You're, Why are you drinking hard liquor Your liver is going to Do this and do that So she says all of that To me still yeah. That's so funny My mom does that to me too <laughs> it's, it's like crazy. Yeah It's like when we said Goodbye at the airport When I was sending her off After she'd come visit me For the summer right The last thing she said to me was Hey, don't drink so much. Uh. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> you know what, Joel? Maybe, maybe it really is true. Maybe we drink a lot. Uh. I don't know. <laughs> no, but my, my mom also drinks a lot. Oh, is it? She, has a, she drinks so much. And when, she used to be a chain smoker when she was younger too. So oh, I don't know wow. where. I don't know what this hypocrisy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, I guess the idea is that the, 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 main, the point I was making, uh, I guess latching up from your point is that Parents really use those ghosts around us, to, that, that memories around the house, to learn to cope with our adult selves, you know? Yeah, because like, what else do they have, right? <laughs> Actually, the one way that I've learned to cope with this came as a surprise. It came with the whole circuit breaker lockdown and I didn't expect this I think I, I talked about this in the last podcast where when we found out that we were going to go on circuit breaker I was so anxious having to be around my parents all the time and they around me all the time was it just freaked me out so I what I did was that I sat down and talked to my mother and I said hey we need to we're going to be around each other for quite a bit we need to work this out and we made in 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 not so many words, basically, we 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 carved out boundaries. You know, whenever right. whenever I'm in my room, please don't disturb me. And whenever we're, I'm outside, that's like you know, everybody can talk when we're outside. You can engage right. with me when we're outside. Yeah, and that's turned out to be a wonderful thing because, as I mentioned during this period, we actually. We actually started to do things that I never thought we would do together. Like we would take, we do Instagram stories. I said my last time, and we actually have a lot of chats. And I've actually learned cooking from her a little bit. Like I've learned how to cook certain dishes. I've taken down recipes. This is something that I would not have done at the beginning of this year. 
like in January if you told me that I would do this right I would say you'll be crazy I don't want to spend yeah. that much time in my, with my mother in the kitchen because I would shoot myself but I I, I I enjoy it now like I I look forward like tomorrow she's going to teach me how to make soy sauce chicken so <laughs> so it's, it's you great know, that's, that's- that's so sweet. I mean, I could also teach you how to make soy sauce chicken, but you should learn from your mother, lah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm gonna learn um, from my mother. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's so sweet because, like, when when I've hung out with my friends in the UK and their parents, right? Like, I've always noticed quite consistently a very interesting dynamic where, like, they can be, they have these friend-like relationships with their parents. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. They, they go they go drinking with their parents. Yeah. And I cannot understand know, this. Yeah. It's such there was a weird this thing. how there was this house party I went to for my friend's birthday, right? And there yeah. were just people there drunk off their tits and like, you know, and 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 various other things. And like <laughs> my friend's parents were just standing around like drinking and having a good time too. What? Was just like No. That was that's weird. Yeah and 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 beyond that, right? I just feel like many of my close friends in the UK have such a an interesting, you know, it's it's not an unfraught relationship, but like by and large, it's very friend like, you know. They 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 talk to them about sex and relationships and stuff like that. And like you know, I you see like you recoil when I, I cannot, that, right? Like, I cannot. You, yeah, there's this barrier to having these kinds of like very transparent relationships with your parents here. It's like almost as if I don't know why we feel like we have to hide behind so many walls. Um, with our parents, right? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I wish I could talk to my parents about sex. I wish I could talk to them about drinking. I wish I could go to a, to a, to a pub with them and order a, a, che- yeah. a cheeky gin and tonic with my mom. Yeah. You know, uh, I wish I could do all this, but the idea of doing it, even as you're talking about it, makes me so uncomfortable. Well, <laughs> I tried a little bit when I was in London. My mom came to visit for the first time, right? So I just brought her, I just brought her around. Uh, and then like every once in a while between shopping trips, I just like, we hop to a bar or a pub and just have a drink lunch. Just Fabulous. Kind of, yeah. I tried to get her into the whole summer vibe thing, right? And she was very, she was very confused at first, and then later amused by how much we were drinking. And then we had a very nice time on that trip. And there were a few moments like where, like with you, you know, I ended up being very close and watching stuff with her and just having some very honest conversations. I, f- I find I find having these conversations hard though. It's like. Like there is a version of myself that I keep to myself and my close friends only. You know, it's like yeah. the version of myself that you see, right? Yeah. That I find very hard to present to my parents. Okay. And in fact, when I'm at home, I, I, I am a very different person than I am with you, for example. And it's it's in the few times that I've managed to relax the barriers between one version and the next and where I bring them closer together in front of my mom or my parents in general that I think I felt happiest with them because there's an honesty there like who I am with you is who I honestly want to be but who I am with my parents is maybe a less honest version of myself it's a version who is less like talkative I'm very you know I'm a lot more taciturn in front of them believe it or not like I am (laughs) less I'm less carefree I'm a bit more like serious and it you know it took a very long time for me to even start drinking in front of my parents and now we do it quite semi-regularly so it's like it's easing up like as we get older I think it's just learning how to be a bit more honest around my parents yeah Um, Uh, but I I also have to say that this honesty that we have mm. with our parents in the Singapore context is also Oh, it also overlaps with a with a Singapore narrative or like the social aspect of what is expected of us. So I find that some people, um, 
it's easier for them to be honest with their parents because their lives are very much in line with the Singapore narrative, so it becomes easier mm. to do certain things. Whereas people whose lives don't very much gel with the Singapore narrative, then we have other boundaries to overcome. That's why it makes it so difficult to be honest. Yeah, the elephant in the room for me, obviously, is the fact that like I am queer as fuck, and that. For a long time, I think growing up was hiding that part of myself, and I think maybe that accounts for it. That I have had a lot to hide from my parents, and still do in a way. Like they don't know I smoke, you know. Ah, for example. okay. And that would be very weird for them to discover. And you know, it's it's. I think like I've learned to keep certain things very close to myself because they've been because I know that like they would be met with approbation outside of my little bubble. Yeah, you know? I totally It's understand. Things like my dawning, uh, my dawning loss of religious feeling was also something that I kept away from my parents, and but that has been very important to who I am as a person, you know, and obviously my queerness as well. So I can, in now that I've reached an older age, and my mum and my parents in general have relaxed around it, I want to be able to share these parts of myself with them because it's so it's so integral to who I am, uh, but it's hard lah. Um, Actually, one of the sweetest memories I have is like the last night before I flew back to the UK after coming back for a fairly long trip. Uh, I had a gathering of all of my close friends in my place, and we were all and you were there, so you remember yeah, this. Yeah, I remember like, this. Like we, we all we all got drunk, and my mum got drunk with yeah, us. Yeah, she and got then quite she just drunk. Started, <laughs> she got so drunk, and then she started telling all these funny stories. And that was the first time like those two worlds had met in such a robust way, where they were everybody was talking to my mum like, like you know, in a really friendly, fun way, and she was talking to them in the same way back, and like that gave me a lot of peace, being able to leave again, knowing that. I I I bridged this world and had shown an uh, an honest part of myself to my mum before leaving for a long time again. You know. Yeah. So I guess growing up with your parents as an adult while being in their house is a constant negotiation and a constant reteaching, reaffirming of who we are and who they are to us again and exactly. again and again. Actually, yeah. to go back to what you were saying earlier about that convo you had with your mum about boundaries, right? Like, yeah. I find it very sweet and moving that she responded so well because I think both of you came at it with a bit of uh, nervousness. Oh, right? for sure, I was very nervous. Yeah, but I suspect that your mum actually has been longing for you to tell her how to ne- negotiate with you and how to navigate around you because I think. Like she must sense this tension, she must sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she does. She must. She must not. She must want to understand it as well. So I think you coming to her with the offer of, you know, peace or whatever, or the offer of like negotiation must have been quite major for her too, because it's like, it 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 clears the air of doubt and it clears the air of um you know uncertainty. Yeah, and it it like, really is what it is. O- I never yeah. knew she needed. I never knew that my parents actually needed a handbook on how to be a parent for an adult until I actually exactly. started to talk to them about it. Because yeah, who can because blame nobody, them? Who nobody, can blame yeah. them? <laughs> nobody teaches nobody teaches parents how to parent adults, right? Like there's a lot of material on how to like look after a kid up to a certain age. But once you reach our age, it's like where's the handbook on that? Yeah, and I think then it, I think then. Implicitly, I guess, like they're looking to us for guidance, law, right? Like we need to be there to give them the guidance on how to talk to us, 
what not to say to trigger us. Exactly. What, you know, like how we can live together harmoniously. Yeah, as we are. And as, I think at, what we must remember is that it is not one conversation; it is multiple yeah, conversations multiple. again and again and again. I think that's where I fall very short. Like I need to start having more of these honest conversations with my parents, and I know that time is so desperately short. So like I don't have a lot of time to do it. It's just like, and this is, I think this is why I've the the terrain is so tricky for me personally because like I don't know how to start sometimes. Like I think I've told you on a number of occasions that like I feel I find it very hard to talk to my parents sometimes because I feel like I'm when I do I revert when I talk to them I revert to this earlier to this introverted hidden version of myself that I alluded to right where I I I express myself very ineloquently I. I, I try not to say very much, in fact, and I'm impatient and I'm bristly and I'm not mischievous and playful as I am with you and my other friends, right? It's and I don't like who I become when I talk to them, and I I think it's it it's 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 it's, it's a bunch of things. I just feel like that makes even talking sometimes very difficult. But I know that like I have to overcome this because there's no literally no. Other way, yeah. Right? There's a lot of emotional difficulty thinking about my relationship with my parents now, and it has. It's like all the negative feelings, right? Shame and guilt and anger. And impatience, and obviously there's a lot of love as well, right? But like the the parts that stick out to me, that are jarring to me, are all of these negative feelings because like my parents are getting on in age, like oh, they're yeah. both in their se- they're both in their seventies, right? My dad's, yeah. you know, mm. and it's like I feel like there is no time, Joel, for these negative feelings anymore. You know, time is short, and. That's been haunting me a lot lately, and it's been something that I've been thinking a lot about since moving away. Obviously, because I see so much uh, less of them. Yeah. And then that the times I do see them, like the I can mark the aging so quickly. You know, it's like when I first came back. When I came back for the first time, I saw my parents at the airport. I was shocked at how old my dad had gotten. Oh and yeah. I, I, so I it's like so perfectly. there is th- yeah there is this real like ticking time bomb quality to the whole situation and yet I find this inability to rise above all the irritation, anger and impatience that I have. Yeah, my parents are both in their 60s so Mm. mid-60s around there and my primary feeling is one of guilt Mm. and sometimes extreme impatience because there is I'm still learning how to deal with that role reversal because I find I find that now I have to parent my parent mm. and I get very short that uh, with them when I have to do this because in my mind and I know this is I, I know this is unfair because I don't want them to do this to me in my mm. mind I still think of them as my parents as people who should know better as mm. people who should lead by example for me you know and so whenever I catch them doing something that is detrimental to their health like for example my mom is a diabetic so if I catch mm. her like 
eating wrongly or knowingly eating wrongly, I get very angry because not only is she doing harm to herself, but I expect her to do better. And why am I? <laughs> yeah, why am I the one yeah. to have to police you? It's it's that old thing where people are like that moment where you learn that your parents are people too, right? You know, there's a lot. Everybody can identify with it, especially oh, when yeah, you're out. That's, wow, it, age, that's right? really it. Yeah. You suddenly realize actually your parents have no clue. They are just as lost and you know, like confused and childish, and like filled with existential dread as you are, and they don't have any of the answers. And the and that's a painful transition to make from naive childhood where your parents are everything and they know the way, right? So yeah, I, that, I agree. It's one of the hardest transitions to make in life, realizing that your parents don't have those answers. Yeah, and like, how has that like developed for you? Like, do you feel like you've gotten better at that role, or that your parents have? Do they push against it? Or frankly, I don't think I've gotten better in that role because it is a very, it is such a visceral emotion that I find mm. myself. I, I mean, I consider myself a very patient person in general. Okay, but yes. this this really really gets my goat. I don't know if I I've gotten better at it, but I've learned to on some level not shout at them too much, especially my mother right. because she's the one with with all the issues and she's the one with very little self control. Uh, that woman, so she she <laughs> would just she would literally reach for anything sweet. It's the most painful thing. <laughs> yeah, or like she would just add on rice and she go, but it's only rice. I'm like, huh. <laughs> rice is a carbohydrate You know this I, so, I think that can be Such a painful thing To acknowledge The child in Your adult parent And As they grow older I think it's something That we are going to have To reckon with More and more Like the How they Do in effect Become more childlike Because they become Weaker and slower And yeah. You know they, they You know the, the, the edges Like soften a little bit <laughs> And I think the understanding that this role reversal is an inevitability in a way is also very hard to talk about because it's, it's as much as it's a transition for us, it's also a transition for them, right? Knowing that they are now going to have to um, learn to cede power to you as the child to make certain decisions about their health and their life, you know? Uh, and it's just like, it's just yucks. You know, it's yeah, just actually, on, on yeah. some level, as we are talking about this, even I feel this sense of aversion to the whole thing, and it makes me realize mm. that the reason I'm so angry with my mother is because I just don't want this to happen on some level. Yeah, but I cannot fight the natural way of things, right? I, I know it's, it's an inevitability. Yeah, like this role reversal thing is interesting because, and I think like I have an easier time with it, a little bit like being kind of being firm with my parents than you maybe because like I got this advice when I was very young like um so like when I when I was 24 thereabouts I, I wrote a play called Family Outing right that yeah. uh, it's kind of like a coming out story that was very loosely based on my own family like so Ivan Hing from Wild Rice who produced the the play right and he gave me advice during that time which was like and we were talking about coming out to parents and teaching and, 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 and helping our parents come to terms with sexuality right and he said you've got to keep training them like he said that he'd come out to his mum many times and that she kept forgetting you know and oh that that's interesting keep, and, he, and he had to keep <laughs> training her to get behind the idea right and because it's just not so much in their worldview right it's just not yeah, in their worldview yeah and I, okay. I really took on 
I really took on board the idea of training your parents. And like, I think from a young age, I already knew that there are certain differences between you know us generationally that I have to work at ameliorating. You know, and and so like I have in the family taken on a bit of that disciplining role a little bit when it comes to, ah, in some yeah, sense you are to, you are giving them a bit of cultural capital, right? Because all this training is that's what that is a bit of cultural. capital. Well, no, it's because like I it's I mean like I'm talking about this primarily in the realm of like political views, like because like my parents right. tend towards the conservative and I obviously am very like left wing right so it's like <laughs> yes. I I cannot abide I cannot abide this difference because like I know that I know that their political views come their conservatism comes from a lack of frankly a lack of education on 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 these subjects right you know they they they, they didn't go very far in their educational journeys and yeah uh, that's no that's, that's yeah. yeah that's no fault of theirs right but like they just don't have certain perspectives so i just taken it upon myself to like educate my parents and train them and try and make them see things a little more fairly successfully um, no <laughs> oh really okay <laughs> yeah so I mean it's a co- like like I even say like you have to constantly train them. Like, I mean like successfully Correct, in some respects. Like my mom has definitely gotten on board the whole gay thing now. Uh, uh okay, so, okay. Th- you know, and like I have kind of successfully made her see certain flaws in our political system, which she would have been unable to see without my guidance. Otherwise, <laughs> la. Okay, oh uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. There is this huge sense of guilt that I feel with just scolding them and also wanting a life of my own. Because Mm. I'm I, I'm also very aware that being the eldest son and all these sorts of Asian values quote uh, open inverted commas quote uh, close inverted commas right it's like it's it's foisted on me and I cannot help but think that me wanting my own life away from the house that I'm living in is is wrong selfish yeah, selfish. yeah. yeah. so there's this huge guilt that comes along with this with all of what I'm feeling it's just an, an undercurrent that's always there I have felt this on so many occasions living away, right? Like, I'm having this constant debate with myself about whether or not I made the right decision to move away. And then, oh, like... Oh, wow. Uh, and my parents being old has definitely factored into that because I just keep thinking, you you know, time is short. Why are you so far away from that? Yeah, them? that's what I think too. How, <laughs> how can you justify being so far away from them knowing that you have limited time? And you know, yes and no, sure, right? Because it's also like this is your life, go and lead it. But I think you're right, lah. Is this like acculturation that we have, right? That makes us feel that the only way to be a good child is to constantly be there. Yeah, and Do you know, and what it's mean? on some level, it's so unfair. Like I, I, I actually hate it. But we also know it is not true. But it is very difficult for that guilt to not exist. And yeah, I, I it probably really, will never yeah, it, go away. Exactly, it will never go away. Just like how our parents cannot help but parent us whenever they see us, this guilt that I feel I think will never ever go away. I mean, like on the note of guilt, I I also feel it in these weird pangs. I sometimes I really don't like to meditate on my mother's, what my mother's inner life might be. I really when I start because I have a very imaginative and inquisitive mind, right? When I start going there, like I get. I will break down. I can break down in tears just thinking about it because it's just like, are you happy, mom? Oh, and you think about what like, she's missed out, 
right? Have you, have you, do you feel you've missed out on things? Yeah. Have you done all the things you want? Have you led a fulfilled life? Are you, are you happy? Yeah, these, these questions make me very emotional as well. I, I think about this specifically with my mom too. And sometimes late at night, I walk past um, my mom watching TV and I see her nursing a glass of wine, right? And I think, okay, she looks content, but then also it's just like, is she? Or is she just... It's like, what's going on in that mind? And I can't even bring myself to talk to her about it because yeah. I'm so afraid of what the answer might be. Also, I think maybe our parents don't want us to know the truth if that truth is ugly because they don't want us to feel that we, we, are, the, we are the cause of the unhappiness. So they would, not, they would not tell us the truth. Or they don't even want to confront it or make it real by saying it. Yeah, you know, definitely. But I think about this. I think about this so much, especially in relation to my mom, because like she is a, like she's a character. You know that. <laughs> I like, do. She's a, a ballsy, hilarious woman, and um, you know, over the years, she's voiced so many like desires about leaving Singapore and setting up a, a weird business in Australia or like moving. She you know, like we we made multiple trips to Australia as we were kids and like she you can tell she just really fucking loved it there. She loved the food, she loved the vibe, she loved the weather. She's like I think she's always had a secret ambition to live somewhere like that. And if you've been to our house, <laughs> which you have, have many you times. will see that she has manifested this desire in the in this bizarre yeah. interior decor it's this that interesting looks like country house like, sort of situation. It is like from don't know where one, you know, it's like it's an HDB flat, mind you, and you get out of the lift and you come into our house and like a hundred percent of the responses to the people visiting our house for the first time is like, what the hell is going on? It's like you're walking into the set of little women. <laughs> it's okay. True. It's, it's very true. <laughs> anyway, amazing. Like, so, you know, this house is a kind of statement of the kind of and you know the, this ambition that she has and it just breaks my heart to think that she's now at the point where like that's probably never gonna happen yeah and that she's she's content with this with, with this copy this carbon copy this copy of what she wanted perhaps right yeah and that, that that gives me some pause and so I consider myself very lucky to in a way be able to do what I'm doing like you know yeah. make art for a living because I know that she she's a creative soul and like she was the one who taught me how to read and how to love books and how to listen to music and all that kind of stuff. So like I get this bone from her and I know that like when she was younger, she was a very creative literary person and like she wanted, like if she had had the chance would have gone on to do nothing, not something not too dissimilar to what I'm doing now. It's just that like her, the cookie didn't crumble that way for her. So like I, I guess like, I comfort myself in thinking that like the life I lead and the places that I'm able to see and go to are kind of like me walking that life that she could not. Does that make sense? No, yeah, it totally yeah. does. It totally does. In a way, it is... I, I don't know if I'm off the mark, but it's in a way like honouring what she wanted to do. Yeah, it's like I don't know those secret parts of her and I'm too afraid to ask. And maybe one day I will, but like now I know... With some certainty, because I just know that me leading the life I, I am leading is, yeah, as you say, like, uh, okay, honouring whatever it is that she couldn't, right? And I think, like, in a way, that is the, that is the dynamic that all parent-child relationships are, in a way. It's very this, lah, like, you kind of, like, you're, you, you do hope that as, you know, you are leading a life that your parents could not. And I think, in a way, we all are which is comforting in a way, yeah. right? 
哇，就 growing up is very、mm-hmm. difficult, huh? Very difficult. Yeah, lor. It's like nobody ever gives you the handbook on how to do it, and then you're thrown right into it, and you're like, ha ha, and then you garang gabok, and then you cry. Yeah, cry lor, <laughs> and then you cry left, right, center, always tilt,、yes. tilt, tilt, and then you cry. It's very sad, leh. <laughs> I kind of hope that if you're listening in and you found any part of this, like you know, if you found that any of this speaks to you and that it's made you think harder about your your relationship with your parents, I think it's great. And like I, I guess like I just want to encourage everybody to start thinking about the kind of difficult conversations that we need to be having with ourselves and obviously with our parents about. This murky terrain that we are all navigating. Yeah,、right? and to know that that it is supposed to be difficult, that it's、mm. okay it, if it's difficult because it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it will ever get easier. I know, and like I thought, I thought for a long time that I that writing about it, which I often do, would make it better, but it really hasn't. I don't think writing about it is a substitute for actually sitting down and having the honest conversations that are required. That needs because to be had. Yeah. Yeah, writing about it has only ever enabled me to tell one side of the story, which for is sure, <laughs> for sure, yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> All right, dear listeners, thank you very much. If you've reached this point for clearly indulging a slight change in our format, we hope you like it, and we're gonna try a few more of these in the future. This has been Joel signing off, and this is Kishan. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. Call your mother. <laughs> <laughs>